0: And find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Falad, and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're joined by Christian, who is SVP product of Intersect, which is an authentication company. He will explain what that means and how they go about things in these trying times when they're trying to help their customers secure their payment solution, the e-commerce solutions and things like this. Originally, South African company, Christian's based in Toronto, Canada. So he's talking to us from snow-covered Toronto. And I'm looking forward to learn more about what Intersect does and how he joined this great company and what's cooking and what they've seen in the market last few months. So welcome, Christian. How are you today?
1: I'm good. Thanks, Rudy, for having me.
0: So can you introduce yourself, Christian? Tell us a little bit about how did you get to do what you do today? And also, what was your motivation? Why did you join a fintech company like Intersect?
1: Well, I've been about 20 years within the payments and, and fintech space. I guess about 20 years ago, we didn't call it fintech. I uh, really started off with um, smart cards and I'm working for the larger, one of the largest providers in Canada. That kind of transitioned into contactless payments and, and some leadership roles within mobile as mobile started taking off. I spent some time with some great companies like Nstream, which was a joint venture by the M&Os here and driving product there as well as with another innovative company called SecureKey, which was really driving digital identity. Spent some other time launching a couple of the businesses, one being Dream Payments uh, within, the, again, the fintech space, and always working with banks and, and the card associations. And for the last couple of years now, I've been at Intersect, which has been a, a great journey. You know, From a fintech perspective, fintech's a, really a modern term for finance and technology coming together to offer new and innovative solutions to businesses, right, and help financial service organizations to better serve their customers. It's not just for big companies or banks alone. It's it's powerful. It's it makes businesses more efficient, it allows access to increasingly digitized customer uh, customer base more easily, and it really gives you know end to end solution or opportunity to serve end to end solutions across the business spectrum. So. How I ended up here or actually in the space, because most of my career has actually been spent with fintechs and, and one or two merchants. But, you know, for some time now, we've been accelerating, right? Technology has really absolutely changed the way we, we work and everything about our lives. But, you know, moving onto a digital platform and into that space, typically or historically is advanced with each generation's willingness to adopt new technology, right? Typically, we see some market events accelerate the technology adoption from time to time. Examples with this would be things like easy to access internet or the introduction of revolutionary consumer technology like the iPhone. And most recently, things like the current pandemic. I remember at university, one of the questions the professors asked was, do you ever foresee internet access as being a utility? Meaning, is it going to be something that's standard and expected, like electricity or telephone services? And this was just around the time of, of the new Pentium chip technology being introduced. So for me, they had all this rapid change happening. And to me, it was clear that that things were going to change. And I really wanted to be part of that. So I was fortunate enough to spend my entire career working with some leading organizations, delivering market first that had some very real impacts to businesses, but mass consumers. And being able to do that's been very, very fulfilling. So when the opportunity came to work with Intersect on a global capacity, it was a perfect alignment and really a no-brainer. They have proven technology, they're brilliant people, strong leadership, and a clear vision. And they have a global footprint and they're financially stable, which is something you always need to consider as you embark on a journey with any startup or fintech. Because as you know, probably 96% or more of fintechs, they actually don't make it past a couple of years. Intersect's been around for at least 10 years, dominating in the market.
0: Right. So what is Intersect? I mean, if you explain it in plain English, right? (laughs) You know, it's not a cybersecurity firm or is it? So what does it do and how does that help? solving the customer problems?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because, you know, as you you get into sophisticated technology, sometimes it's difficult to simplify what is it that you do as an organization. I can tell you right now, my kids don't know. (laughs) But Intersect is really a fintech company that specializes in strong device identity and authentication solutions. So we focus on customer authentication mainly for banks, insurance, and healthcare institutions. And we help them secure their end customers digital transactions so in other words we facilitate great user experience when it comes to the bank identifying and confirming that the individual that's trying to access their digital services is who they say they are and we allow them to use that 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 technology or that user experience and compete with that user experience or use it as a competitive advantage. The company really started when one of our founder's parents fell victim to fraud after a successful phishing attack. And these guys realized that there must be a more secure way for customers to interact with their banks. And this was 10 years ago. And that really planted the seed for for what we refer today as our our Intersect Secure Platform, which really allows organizations to orchestrate that secure authentication customer journey and allowing customers to access services anytime, anywhere, on any device that they choose.
0: Right. But it is a competitive space, right? One might also say that it is a crowded space. Having worked in banks, we always had these keys and all kinds of protocols, or if you use online banking, all kinds of cards and scanners and all that stuff. So how are you different from your competitors? And if you were to pitch it to others, why would you say that you are better than them?
1: so truly intersect pioneered out of band phone as a token authentication back in the day they're the very first ones to do it now it's an industry standard and our patented technology is currently deployed over 45 countries with tens of millions of active users so there's a solid footprint but what truly sets intersect apart is how we reimagine the customer journeys and customer engagement we believe that security is an enabler right you always hear Or for the longest time, you've heard financial institutions using the F word, which is friction. And whatever they do, they're not going to reach out to the customer, right? They're kind of, whatever you do, don't do that. And we've stuck to our guns, and and I would say over years, and it's different in different regions, right? If you go to South America and Chile, let's say, and you try to implement an authentication solution there that's too easy, they're suspect, right? They are accustomed to one way of doing things. And if it's too easy, then mm, potential fraud. I don't trust it. Whereas you go to North America in the past, I'm talking, you know, maybe five years ago, four years ago, if something was a little too difficult, they'll abandon, right? So there's different expectations in those regions. And I think what's fundamental is being able to have a configurable, solution to match the needs of your customer and take those customers on this journey, right? The way we did things one way once before is certainly not how we're doing it today. So again, we believe that the foundation of enabling these rich user experiences or offering rich services is through an appropriate level of security and the best user experience that you can offer your specific customers. And which means sometimes going against what you know, the North American industry has spoken to in the past, which was avoid friction by all costs. We believe that a certain amount of friendly friction is necessary. And that's actually where the market has finally gotten to considering all that's happened with uh, COVID and the amount of engagement that's been uh, happening on the digital channel.
0: All right. Well, that's uh, surprising, to be honest, because (laughs) yes, I'm only used to hear like, well, you know, get rid of the friction, right? But understood so it's great that you have this global perspective and uh, of course you know we are in the middle of the pandemic that means it affects the whole world so how did it affect your business and the way you work and did you see any major differences as well among your regions etc
1: oh absolutely so in essence a pandemic has facilitated facilitated an acceleration of all users to digital channel we we know this there are enough studies out there that show that and we see it as just everyday consumers but now because there aren't in branch capabilities anymore banks are forced to expose expose more functionality on these channels which means good enough isn't good enough anymore whereas in the past there was a smaller number of users that service providers could get away with a a less than stellar user experience you know because that segment was a bit smaller Mm -hmm. and there are other channels that they can go to however now with higher usage and, um, and users forced onto a digital channel it's motivated organizations to put more focus on the user experience and security and we've seen that across the institutions so now if the only way to do something is on digital channel if you can't do it there and you can't come into the branch what are my options right and, and how do you offer these better or more secure services or sensitive transactions to or how do you enable those it's probably not a surprise to anybody in the industry, but with the pandemic, we've seen a steady and significant increase in the number of digital transactions, from mobile banking to online shopping. And the number of authentication events, meaning you know, every time somebody validates or authenticates into a service, it's been steadily increasing over the year. We've seen double digits in, in many cases in many regions. We've also seen contactless payments steadily increase in all regions, be it via online, QR code or, or tap to paste transactions. So as within Canada, let's say, all the cards uh, in Canada are dual interface cards, which means it's chip and PIN and contactless and all the readers. So enabling contactless credit and debit transactions, very easy within this region, and that's gone up significantly. Within South Africa, QR codes dominate. Even though they're um, dual interface cards, the QR codes has, has actually skyrocketed, and when they open, you know, the lockdown measures in different regions, or the measures taken have been different. South Africa, they stopped the sale of tobacco, they stopped the sale of alcohol. It was a full-on lockdown. Not such in the case in North America. So when they did start opening up food delivery services, the only way to pay was actually through QR codes. So you're seeing different solutions to match the different regions, and we continue to see contactless grow. We've also seen massive increase in specific types of fraud, especially phishing and SIM swap fraud. Consumer behavior itself is also changing. So the models for bad actors that AI solutions Uh, have in place, they need to be retrained. And this takes time. So we're we're also seeing an increased interest in our authentication solutions because not only of the security they bring and the protection they offer end users, but the industry is also starting to recognize that certain authentication methods are just not strong enough or the user experience they provide is not cutting it for end users anymore. This has a lot to do with the fact that there's a need for proactive solutions that outweigh reactive measures from a cost-benefit perspective.
0: Right. And what about e-commerce? Right? I mean, we are also having holidays no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. And if also, you mentioned lockdowns in certain countries were very strict, so people turn to e-commerce or online shopping, etc. So how did that affect your business? I mean, is that uh, more work or do you think that you were prepared that you could scale up for these volumes quite easily? Or did you see any challenges with that as well?
1: Yeah. So our platforms have scaled quite nicely. Um, that's, that's one of the great things about our technology. It's highly scalable. And again, we're seeing different activities in different uh, regions, right? So in um, you know, our 3D secure solution is deployed all over the world, and we're seeing great uptake there. Uh, North America, the same thing. So you know, activity in North America, Black Friday is a big deal. And I don't have all the results yet from our Black Friday activities within our, um, you know, we set up a war room and, you know, we have millions and millions of transactions typically going through that day. I actually don't have the results on that, but some other results have been published, which indicate a significant drop in the transaction levels for Black Friday. Typically, merchants run their last quarter, I believe November, October, January, so that they get that shopping, uh, the shopping numbers in each year. And what's happened this year is those numbers have been pulled forward as Black Friday is no longer a one-day event, but stretched October all the way into December and maybe even to January. So more transactions online – less on transactions overall for retailers.
0: I see. I see. Well, you also hinted at cyber and phishing attacks, right? and they've been around for a long time. Even before the cyber, there were other frauds, etc. you know, by mail, I remember. Yes. used to get fraudulent letters and things like this. And maybe in the last few years, we had some trainings, right? If you worked in the big corporate, you know, you always get a training about phishing and you get the warnings from your banks and things like this. But I did have an impression that uh, during the pandemic, there has been more of that, right? So why do you think that is? Why do you think that This is a good breathing ground for cyber and phishing attacks. And what does that mean for you and your banking clients, for example?
1: Absolutely. So an increase in cyber attacks is actually common in a time of crisis. Cyber criminals prey on social vulnerabilities and COVID-19 really is no exception to that. Scams increased by about 400% over the month of March, making COVID-19 literally the largest ever security threat that we've seen so far. It's typically, those threats, typically, or cyber attacks are typically most prevalent in the healthcare and financial industries, right? There were 450 active WHO email addresses and thousands of COVID-19 response teams' emails leaked across the net. As early as April, Google blocked about 18 million daily malware phishing attempts related to coronavirus, and it goes on and on and on. Email phishing attacks were pretty much the most common, though. A source of data breaches while people are working from home. So as you may recall, there's about half a million Zoom user accounts which were compromised and sold on the dark web. It's not that people are more gullible. Sure, there's a larger population of new users. Let's say the older demographic have been moved on to the channel. And they've been forced to go digital, whereas before, because they didn't trust the channel, they kinda of, they were a bit adverse. And we're seeing greater adoption there. But the reality is people are distracted and their mind space is focused on daily matters of mortality. So, you know, when you're seeing daily updates, we're being being bombarded with this information about our safety, there's a bit of a fatigue associated with confusion. So perhaps even a greater sense of trust actually when information is presented to them. The other complexity is with everybody working from home, it's harder actually to contain a breach, right? They're bigger, there's more exposure or, or threat uh, surface as it relates to to individuals working from home. Overall, email is still the predominant method that scammers are using, and typically the some form of COVID messaging with a malicious link for users to click on. There's also been a spike in phone calls asking for support, but ultimately, scammers often try to elicit a sense of fear and urgency in the victims. And banks really need to continuously educate their staff and their customers and implement proactive measures to um, catch the fraud should it slip past the consumer.
0: And how do you specifically help your banking clients to do that?
1: Well, uh, through our solutions that you know, we really motivate or not allow banks to leverage the power of their Technology or their their mobile banking apps, right? So our technology is typically embedded within the mobile banking app, and there's scenarios where, let's say, there's a money transfer that happens, as opposed to you know SMS OTP, which is not secure at all. What would potentially, ha- what would typically happen is your your app would the banking app would open up and say, Hey Christian, are you actually trying to transfer you know a thousand dollars to to uh, Rudy? And so this, these types of explicit verifications are ways that the banks are addressing it. Now you can tweak that. There's some banks that notify their customers every single time, and that could cause a bit of fatigue. But guess what? They have zero fraud, literally zero fraud, with millions of users. But that's how they've trained their customers. Again, it's all you know. It's about taking the risk, right? This is how we're going to do it. We're going to train consumer behavior, or not. We've done a survey in the past which talks about customers saying, Look, I just want to be most people, majority of people say, Look, just notify me of sensitive transactions. And we do that in a secure way. The reality is SMS OTP just doesn't cut it anymore. Before it was a checkbox that you would tick and easiest, lowest barrier to entry and solutions like that get implemented. But there's also other solutions that we have as well, which tie into AI. And, you know, if you, because consumer behaviors also change right? The pandemic's changed. The rules that were in place before where AI systems were configured to say, if then do this, that's changed. And they need to retrain those systems. And, and in the meantime, what do you do? So what we do is one, we enable that technology or reaching the customer through securely through that endpoint. But through our behavioral biometrics, we also allow stronger validation of that device. So behavioral biometrics are things like the way you hold your phone left hand, right hand, the the angle you hold the phone, geolocation services, are you trying to do this transaction out of Japan or the Middle East, but you live in uh, California, things like that. So you take all that, you put it together and you, you drive a, a better user experience and you engage the customer in the journey as appropriate.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. So I know that you obviously joined the company when the, it's been established company, right? Uh, not no longer a startup. But did you always think that this is going to work out? This is going to be a success that it is today? Or did you ever have any doubts or the founders when you spoke to them?
1: Yeah, and that's a a great question, especially during these these times, right, of uncertainty in the market. There's a lot of businesses that aren't... uh, striving. I joined the company a couple of years ago, well in advance to the pandemic happening. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons I joined was because I believe that there were like-minded individuals, right? I believe that I'm of the opinion that if you think you can't, you can't. If you think you will fail, you will fail. If you think or believe you will succeed, you will succeed. And it's the same mindset, I, I believe, that the team shares. Uh, we get up every morning to do work good work towards making the world a safer place to transact. So I would say that at no point have I I thought that this could not work. It's well positioned to continue to grow. And historically, they've been a bit of a toolkit company, right? They've been providing components to... Financial institutions and customers, and the world has changed, and our customers continue to change and evolve into more ter- require more turnkey solutions. So it's been an exciting journey um, helping the organization move into that direction.
0: Right, and uh, well, let's see what the 2021 will bring. Right, you know, there are people who say, "Well, we're still going as kickbusters," right, and raising money. The investors are saying they're investing. On the other hand, there are others who. Maybe incumbents, they are the retreating a little bit and you know, waiting what's going to happen because it's very hard to plan these days, right? Sure. Where are you going to be in the 12 months? But with whatever level of confidence you have, what are your plans for the next uh, 12 months and beyond with Intersect?
1: So we have a number of really exciting initiatives in the pipeline. You know, We've believed in this journey towards digital for quite a while, and we're expanding our product offerings. So historically, we've been known as a mobile first fintech company, right? We, we pioneered technology in that space and we really drove um, success in many, many countries for using or leading with our mobile technology. What we're doing now is expanding that offering into a true omni-channel solution. So the same level of authentication and let's say confidence that you will instill in in securing um, a mobile device. We're now trying bringing that towards a strong device identity for browsers, as well as leveraging things such as FIDO, FIDO tokens, FIDO platform enablers on your mobile device, and bringing that all together to allow for better transaction processing. Um, Back to that vision of anytime, anywhere, any device. We're also collaborating with a number of merchant type solutions, which, you know, I think is a little too early for us to to share. But the market continues to evolve. And, you know, we're fortunate enough to be involved with the W3C and MasterCard and a number of other organizations to, to help drive innovation and secure the space.
0: Great. Well, I just have two more questions. Sure. One is... What is your favorite business book? You know, there is this Financial Times Business uh, Book Award, uh, which came out recently. Every year, there is something there which they say you shouldn't miss. And most of the time, I agree. What would be Christian's favorite business book that you would like to recommend to people?
1: Oh, man. So that's, that's what I recently read a really good book called Brand New Name by Jeremy Miller. it's really about how do you kind of start branding products and stuff that that's a fantastic read overall i would say i think one of the most important books for leadership to read And this might sound odd is blink by malcolm gladwell and you know it really i don't agree with everything in the book but through the journey of the book there's some great lessons in regards to your intuition based on your experience and you know often we have to make some tough calls and we don't always have the right information, the, all the information available, but we have as much available information at the time. So I would highly recommend that
0: book. Brilliant. So I'll check it out. And well, to wrap up, I'd like to know from you where the interested parties can reach you. What's the best way to find out about Intersect? What's the most efficient way? And what kind of people would you like to hear from most?
1: Uh, well, anybody that's interested, really. It mostly on over to our website www.intersect.com or just send an email into info at intersect.com. The channel will definitely pick it up. I have exposure into all of that. Uh, anybody is interested in learning more about how to, I would say, compete and improve uh, their, their customer engagement, how to address a bunch of the, the security issues that are happening in the space today, whether it's through financial institutions and any type of online company offering digital services. Happy to hear from anybody.
0: Great. Well, thank you, Christian, for your time and good luck to intersect. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com